Unchurchable is a podcast that explores life after church, or life when you're grappling with how to do faith and spirituality when church attendance is a difficult or impossible thing. It's about deconstruction, community, mental health, sexuality, ethics, altruism, politics, and every darn thing under the sun. But it struck me a while ago that one of the things we deconstruct is how to do parenthood. If you grew up in church and then deconstructed, some of the things you took for granted about how you parent most likely went out the window too. They sure did for me. There's a lot to think about and there can be a lot of fear attached. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Are my kids going to go to hell? Does hell exist? So I put the word out to progressive Christian Twitter and asked who I should be asking about this. They gave me Abby Norman. She's a lot of things. A deconstructed Christian who not only stayed in church but is a pastor. She's a kick-ass speaker, an author, a mother, and honestly, she feels a little bit like a kindred spirit that I'm thrilled to have met. I guess that's one of the perks of being a podcaster. You meet cool people. In our session today, she shares some of the struggles and profound insights, not only into parenthood, but into personhood post-deconstruction. I know you'll love her as much as I did. So settle in and get comfortable. I'm Kit Kennedy, and this is Unchurchable. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unchurchable. They say good things happen to those who wait and uh, this this, uh, particular episode has been a long time coming. Abby Norman is a minister and a super mum and I believe even a TED talker. Uh, So, you know, I'm really looking forward to this topic today. We're talking about parenting post-deconstruction and Abby is one of those inspirational type women who uh, seems a little bit superhero-like. How are you today, Abby? Oh, well, I am unsuccessful superhero like um i just live my life out louder more than most people yeah i am a pastor and i'm currently teaching online high school wow and um yeah and i do have a ted talk that i did (laughs) a number of years ago and it has even an accompanying um self published book that I'm sure is likely to come up. And I have talked a lot and thought a lot about parenting um, via like post deconstruction, because that is what I am doing. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, I often, you know, post opinion on on the internet and then write, thanks for coming to my Ted talk. So, you know, it's nice to meet somebody who's actually done, you know, a proper one, but (laughs) (laughs) how old are your babies? I have, they're always your babies. Yeah. I have two daughters, um, Mm -hmm. Priscilla turned nine, like two days ago and Juliet is 10. They are 16 months apart. That is how far apart my babies are. Yeah. So that in and of itself is sort of a wild ride always. Yeah. Yes. That is a time. Mine are three and four at the moment. But um. Oh. (laughs) I'm like, are you okay? Can I send you a drink? Like, Um, I remember that. Yeah. Look, please do, because, you know, it's uh, it's ISO over here, um, <laughs> so we're in pretty pretty strict lockdowns, and, you know, both both me and the kid's dad are, are working from home, so, uh, yeah, it's a time, but anyway, it's, uh, it, it's good. <laughs> we're okay, yeah. we're okay. <laughs> but it's so, a lot. Yeah. It's yeah, just a it lot. Mm, so tell me, 
Um, you know, we've got pandemics, we've got presidential elections, we've got civil rights movements, we've got all sorts of things going on. What a time to be American. <laughs> How, like, what is the situation like for you over there at the moment in terms of being a pastor and being a mother and, uh, and just being, you know, where you are? Yeah, it is. It's intense. Like being mm-hmm. an American in this moment is intense. I live um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and so mm-hmm. our governor just refuses to do anything or take any action. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, we're also like the home of the CDC mm-hmm. that is being ignored. It's so yeah wild. And yeah. then where I pastor um, is south, and yeah. it is... Atlanta is really interesting because you don't have to drive very far to be completely and totally out of the city. Yeah. So I so I drive forty minutes to go to get to my church from my house. Yeah. And um, just to to put things um, sort of in context, so I I live in John Lewis's district. So yeah, so okay. John, Lu- yeah, so John Lewis, who is a civil rights hero and who passed yeah. recently, um, yeah. I used oh, to wow. get to vote for him yeah. for um, representative, oh, and I would cry. So that's where I live, and then oh, I gosh. I drive forty minutes south, and I pass um, all of these Trump signs. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I'm, well, it's just really, it's so interesting and I have to, um, and do you know what? I have to confess that I laughed before because I haven't had coffee and this morning yet and momentarily got John Piper and John Lewis mixed up. And can I just say for the record, I'm sorry, John Lewis, John Piper, totally different guys. Very different. I would would, totally different if I had that straight in my mind. Oh, gosh. I would Mm. also weep if I had to vote for John Piper, but for different reasons. (laughs) Yes, yes. But so it's so it's like this huge dichotomy, right? Like it's it's like 40 minutes south. And then and not everyone in my congregation is Trump voters, but I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, we don't talk about it, but the majority of them are. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. So it's really interesting it's it's wild yeah yeah it's wild I'm I'm very yeah I'm very interested to like you're a pastor and yet you speak as if deconstruction is something that you're very familiar with intimately familiar with um yeah and that could be interesting for some of my some of my listeners out there because obviously church is not a particularly easy place for a lot of people who've been through deconstruction or who face some type of religious trauma. Um, yeah. So it might be refreshing to actually hear of a pastor who gets it. Well, <laughs> so what, what's yeah. your experience been like? Yeah. Okay, so I was raised in like the evangelical nineties two thousands youth group. So yeah, oh, a, girl. you know, yeah. So like, but not super fundamentalist. Like the difference is that some of my friends who have since deconstructed, like when they were 12 or 13 or 14, they like were taken to a purity ball and like given Mm -hmm. a true love weights ring. Mm -hmm. And the difference between me and them is like, I bought my own at a Christian concert, (laughs) you know? So like... (laughs) That's amazing. it's, It's a pretty like fine line... Um, but it is yeah. a little different. Yep. Um, mm. 
Yes. It's it's uh, a it's a different like sort of Yeah, and so I was raised in what I call like the soft patriarchy. So yeah. like my church back home that I was raised in that my parents still attend, they um it's non-denominational and they yeah. recently their pastor of like 40 years retired. Mm-hmm. And then when they were looking for someone, they didn't even bring in a woman to interview. But if you talk to my dad, my dad will be like, oh, you should totally work for our church. And I'm like, daddy, I couldn't like the only woman you have on staff is the children's pastor. Ah, that is such a cliche, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, but they would they might hire you. And like, it's like he can't see that. No, they wouldn't because they won't say like no one from the church would say out loud yeah um hey i we want women to not be pastors but i was taken off of the like youth leadership committee because i was just such a strong leader and oh oh, how dare you yeah very very sarcastically (laughs) and they and and they the boys like needed a chance yeah and it was like Mm -hmm. you take up too much oxygen in the room yeah um, and girls, haven't we been told that? You're too much. Right. You're you too just, much. You're yeah. Not, just do you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, so, so I was raised in that environment. Um, I got married very young. Mm-hmm. My husband and I got married. I was 21 and he was 22. Oh, wow. I was still in college. Um, we deconstructed together. And for that, oh, I'm. Yeah deeply grateful yeah but we moved to atlanta and we ended up in a um in a southern baptist church uh-huh and i would not had i known it was southern baptist i wouldn't have gone there but yeah. the people were like so i mean they were so kind and we had just yeah. moved there and they were yeah. really welcoming and they um I mean, like I and there are still really, really good things that I can Mm -hmm. hold on to. And there are some relationships that I have still from that church that we sort of managed to um, hang on to. But but sometime in the midst of that, I um, my husband and I became gay affirming. Yeah. And I realized that I was called to the ministry. And so I went to the pastor and I asked him. Um, like, hey, I feel called. What should I do? And he prayed for me. And then he was like, yeah, we'll talk about this sometime. And that was like, never. Like, we never yeah, did, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so then I asked him, like, I kept asking him questions like, mm-hmm. "Could a w- I know that a woman couldn't be a head pastor here, but could a woman preach here? Mm-hmm. And instead of answering me, he would be like, you know, like you and your husband and me and my wife, we should all get coffee sometime. Oh, the coffee excuse, the the coffee yes, procrastination it's tactic. So, it's global. It is. Is it? Just, it's, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if that was like a uniquely American cliche. It's so funny. No, because, it's, well, it's Australian too. It might be an Australian and American okay, cliche, when, but yes. When, yes. Yeah. When I like, when my pastor from like the church that we ended up at, that was like really, really healthy. One time he was like, hey, we should go get coffee. And I literally looked at him and said like, am I in trouble? And yeah. he was like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, who hurt you? And I was <laughs> like. the reaction, though. I was like, like, I thought it was a trouble because that's why you get coffee. 
Yeah. Well, th this is my experience growing up was, oh, if you're going out for coffee, uh, yeah, like, you know, and it was McDonald's coffee because I lived in a small town that didn't have very, you know, like mm -hmm. the coffee culture has only just kind of took off in the last kind of 10 years, I suppose. Whatever. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. the McCafe, <laughs> like, don't knock it. <laughs> oh no, I'm not talking about the cafe days. I'm You're talking, talking about, about the, like coffee. The, like <laughs> I'm talking about the late '90s where they had like the filter coffee that would sit on the hot plate just like all day, and it was I can just smell the, it right now. I totally. Yeah, it was just the seniors that had come in with their seniors cards for the yes. free refills that would yes. <laughs> drink that stuff. It was just oh, an abomination. Um, it's it's funny how often deconstruction um and and being gay affirming run together um I'm, I'm not sure whether you've listened to any episodes of unchurchable but part of my deconstruction was my husband becoming gay so mm -hmm. um and you know we still live together it's like will and grace raising kids but um you know he'd actually been a he'd survived gay conversion therapy oh. and um yeah so kind of our deconstruction was a lot about healing those wounds yeah so he's he's coming to terms with his sexuality i'm coming like i'd become a, an affirming christian mm -hmm. Um, and when you move in, in conservative circles where you've kind of been taught really not to question um, leadership and when you kind of don't learn to actually dig a little deeper and go, okay, uh -huh. what is the doctrine? What do you believe about women in ministry? What uh -huh. do you believe about this? Um, it can kind of all be fairly confronting when you, when you start pulling at that thread. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of people... Um, when you're in those conservative circles, uh, have not, not heard that you can be gay affirming and a Christian or have not heard that you can, um, actually stay in church if you are, uh, an LGBTI person yeah. or that, um, that indeed you can deconstruct and stay in church. Not a lot of people do that. So how did you find it kind of reimmersing yourself and going, no, I'm made for the ministry. I'm staying this course. Um, I, I have had, um, and I talk about this a little bit in my book, but I, I have, I am, I don't know why I'm wired like this. I don't know why it works like this for me and not other people, mm -hmm. but I have always had like very deeply personal and real experiences with, you know, like with God. Yeah. And so that wasn't going to like, like mm -hmm. for some people, all of the stuff, all of the wounds and stuff are so deeply connected to yeah. um, their understanding of God that they need to release that to heal. Yeah. And yeah. I get that. And I affirm that and support mm -hmm. that. And if that's what you need to do to heal, then you should do it. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. like, I'm, I'm not afraid of my God. I'm not yeah. worried about like what God is going to do to you or whatever. Like mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. If like the way that you reach the sort of love that is in the universe that I call God. Yeah. Is by saying there is no God. Then that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think God is big enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I still deeply resonate with Jesus. Yeah. I still deeply resonate with, um, you know, the God of the Hebrew people. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we were, yeah, we were in this Baptist church and it just wasn't going to work anymore. And part of the reason is because I was raising these two daughters 
And I've always said that I just want to raise my girls wild and free. Yeah. Which I always joke that now I'm, I would like them to be, um, what do I know? it's like <laughs> gentle and compliant or something oh. like that. But like, I know I want them to be wild and free, but it's just really hard sometimes. But just, just not until they're like, right. Not today. Right. Just right. Like with other today. people, like with other people at other people's houses, like with me in the pandemic, when we're all stuck in the house, like wild and free, come on y'all. <laughs> Maybe we can negotiate that a little bit. And so, but like, so I realized like I needed better for them. And yeah. I think this is a very common thing for mothers, especially mothers with daughters. Yeah. We will ask for our daughters what we will, we will accept crumbs for ourselves, but not for yeah. our kids. Yeah, girl. And mm-hmm. so that was part of it was like, I can't accept, I can't raise my kids in this place where they're never going to see a woman preach. Yeah. I can't raise yeah. my kids in a place where, you know, there's a certain kind of Christian lady, and I have mm-hmm. never fit that. Yeah. <laughs> um, ever. <Neither> like, have <laughs> I. I. Don't uh, ask me to cook for the bake sale. I And, like, I just can't. I can't cook for the bake see, sale. See, I. And it's so funny because I can <gasps> in those ways. Like, oh my gosh, you want to have a potluck? Like, I will kill your pot, potluck. Like, I, I was. I go to a bakery on the way to the potluck and pretend I made that. No, I've lived in the South for 12 years. Like I can throw down in the kitchen. And, and, but like, also if you, you know, it's like the social cues. It's like, I somehow missed. Like, if you ask me how I am, like, I'll tell you. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm not fine or I'm overwhelmed or whatever. And so it just was like, really, um, for me, I was raised in a church and there are wounds there, but also there was good there. Yeah. And so I wanted that experience for my kids. Yeah. And so we found this other church, um, which happened to be a liberal United Methodist church. And Mm -hmm. um, within six months, the pastor was like, hey, we need to have a meeting. And I was like, am I in trouble? And he was like, no, it's very taking me to coffee. (laughs) No. Yeah. I was like, why? What did I do? What did I say? Like, crap. Like, oh, I haven't even been here this long. And he was like, I think you're like, it seems very clear to me that you're called to ministry. Like he told me that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he has been just like insanely supportive. Like Mm -hmm. when I was in seminary still and I was interning at the church a a big deal guy came to preach at the church and then um Tim made sure that I was introduced to that person and then said to that person out loud and this is like crazy to me that a man would say this he was like do you know this girl because she's going to be a really big deal and she preaches better than I do oh wow like and I was like what and six months later I had a church wow you know because he was so supportive and That's because amazing. he was like really willing to go to bat for me, and so yeah, um, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, he, I love that. Yeah, and so that just that church was so like redeeming, redemptive for me yeah. to just over. Yeah. I mean, over and over again, they just like saw my gifts and like that was the first mm. pulpit I was ever in, and they invited me onto the arts team, and then they asked me to lead the arts team, and they just were yeah. so. Um, yeah, yeah, just so affirming. And it was just like so much opposite of any fighting that I had had to do at any other church, you know? Yeah. 
you know, you've raised a couple of really important things over the course of this conversation. Um, one, ironically, is being careful what you ask for. I named my son Henry, which means ruler of his house. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so similar to your girls, uh, sometimes I'm like, really? Did I have to call you that? Did I have to speak that over your life every mm-hmm. day? Because he's a strong-willed boy. But the other, the other thing is um, you're talking in here about um, something that a lot of people don't realize that can do, they can do, and that is to actually choose which church they're part of. Um, and I completely affirm what you're saying in that, um, you know, you can, good things can happen within churches like, and like you said, you went to a Southern Baptist church, which is, you know, been in the news present for some mm-hmm. you know, pretty not nice stuff, but people can't, shouldn't tar entire like movements and go, well, they're bad because you know what? God can do good things anywhere. Um, but where we are as humans and even as women is we have a right to choose a woman's right to choose that's funny let's Mm -hmm. talk about that another day I don't know what I think about that yet um but we have a right to actually engage with church on our terms um and to make sure that our children are safe in it to make sure that we are affirmed and supported in it Mm -hmm. um a lot of people Um, that I've spoken to have come from a position of really having church dictate to them how they live their lives, how they vote, how they believe, how they interpret the Bible. And so I think a lot about deconstruction and a lot about, well, unchurchable as a podcast is about taking back the right to actually sit with things in our own heart and go, am I okay with this? Do I think God's okay with this? Is this reflective Mm -hmm. of my ethic and my, um, my approach to, to faith in Christianity? Um, and you can totally be all about Jesus and not about some of the bad theology that's kind of been thrown at you. But I suppose the big question on my mind is uh, today is about parenting. Um, when you've been raised in uh, a certain generation or um, certain influences with church scriptures like train up a child in the way he should mm-hmm. go and, um, and when he's older he won't depart and spare the rod, spoil the child and mm-hmm. um, all of these things. And a lot of us can have this sort of um, legalistic way of parenting you know there's there's spanking there's sort of you know capital punishment there's sort of children should be seen and not heard there's patriarchy built in right um and and not a lot of these things might actually be acknowledged but they're there in the practices and you're right a mother will accept crumbs for herself but not for her daughters in a lot of in a lot of ways and so how how do you work through parenting post-deconstruction when you lose that legalism? Yeah, it's really scary, right? Because mm. the legalism, when they sell you the legalism, they they promise you a lot. Yes. So there is, right, and, and what parent in the whole world doesn't want what's best for their child? Yeah, Like absolutely. what parent in the whole world doesn't want mm. good things, you know, yep. or, th- and so they, they, they give you a fake promise. Yeah. They say, like, here's the deal. Yeah. You, if you do X, Y, Z, then yeah. you train up the kid in the way. And then no matter what, the child will return to the path. Well, yeah. I've done a little Hebrew study. Not a lot, but a tiny <laughs> bit. And um, according to my professor, who is a total genius, and I adore him, my Old Testament professor is uh, Dr. Joel Lamont, who works at Candler School of Theology, mm-hmm. that 
verse is more accurately should be translated raise up a child like in the way of the Lord and they will return to the path God wants them on to their own path not our path oh that changes everything right and so then (laughs) that's the goal how do you raise a child who knows their path and is willing to stick to it and like how do you raise a kid who knows their own path and when that's the goal and it's so um it's so hard because parenting when you're deacon after deconstruction means you have to say you have to look dead in the reality dead in the face of the reality that says there are no promises here Mm. I could do every single thing right. And one of my kids could end up a drug addict. Yeah. That's a, that's a real thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Now no one talks about it in church because that's embarrassing, but also that happens. There are parents who are like, I have four kids. I raised them the exact same way. This one, you know, had a really, really hard life. Yeah. That is so, so interesting because I think part of the um, post-Billy Graham, I think, um, Christianity package has been selling people on this idea of kind of, and I know it's a bit Calvinistic too, depravity without God, but certainty with him. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think a lot of my own deconstruction work, walk has been about surrendering that certainty, um, and being okay with the uncertainty and with the, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm just going to stay true to myself within it. Right. Um, and then, and then, yeah, like the, the path, recognizing a child's individual path and increasingly so as they grow older, that is, I think that's a powerful key, um, I suppose that means that we really have to be sensitive and observant of who that child is mm-hmm. growing up because it's a lot more I'll, work. Yeah, it is a lot <laughs> more work. I and mean, you know what? I, I'm kind of reflecting on my own growing up experience and my sister and I, uh, the, the sister immediately below me, she's three years younger than me. She and I were different kids entirely. Like if you told me you were disappointed that was it. Game over for me. I was a puddle. I was devastated. It was going to take me days to get over the knowledge that a parent was disappointed in me. But her, she was the kid that, um, you know, mum used to say that some mornings Renee would wake up and in a foul mood. And so mum would just give her a smack and send her back to bed. And Renee would be like, whatever. And she kind of, she wouldn't react. Um, and she'd get up in a better mood later on. But if you gave her a smack, she'd be like, didn't even hurt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they recall one episode where we'd trash the bathroom as, as kids often do in the bath. And they came in and gave us a smack and I was just beside myself. I was so upset. And Renee was like, look, it's got a hole in it because the wooden spoon had like a cutout mm-hmm. <laughs> and it left an imprint on the skin. But like, you know, it's funny. And this is back in the days where smacking wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. being, it's so frowned upon as it is now. And we joke about it and everything, but it reflects two very different kids who responded to parental 
chastisement very, very differently. And we would go on to have two very, very different paths. Mm-hmm. Um, but And a lot of my acceptance of myself in the last five years has been that it's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to be um, someone who, who, who learns a different way or somebody who, um, can't stand seeing injustice. So accepting my own path has been part of my deconstruction. And now I'm kind of, um, the guardian of two little souls who are very, very early on in their path. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how do you go about navigating this kind of, uh, this harder approach to recognizing the individual path of your child? Well, I think that there is a lot more negotiation in my house than I, I imagined there would be. And I, I taught high school for nine years. I taught in some very difficult schools to teach in. And I was, listen, I was a boss lady in my own classroom. Okay. Like (laughs) you did not cross Miss Norman. Like you did not like they were afraid of like they were, there was a healthy fear and respect <laughs> that you need to have when you have 35, you know, 16 year olds in one room and they all have to pass the test. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I was not playing with those kids. And so it yeah. was so frustrating when they were toddlers, um, especially my youngest is extremely strong willed and yeah. to like be able to just boss and rule these mm-hmm. 10th graders and they did not cross me never. <laughs> Yeah. And then to come home and just have my three-year-old just be like, I'm not doing that, you know, was so, like, almost embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it really was. And so it, you have to, like, really, um, yeah, it's a lot more about, okay, like, what do I do or what do I say or yeah. why am I doing this? Like, why am, why is this line firm? Yeah. And why yes. is it not? And as the as my kids get older, um it's like mm-hmm. those are things that we explain have to explain to them. And um yeah. my oldest is 10. She's in the 5th grade, so middle school is next year. Me yeah. and my husband are looking like right like right down the barrel of like <laughs> what adolescence. What do we teach them? Yeah. What do I yeah. say about drugs? What do I say about yeah. sex? Like, yes. what do I say about, like, like that's one of the things that is so compelling as a parent yeah. to just sort of do the, like, focus on the family thing because the, <laughs> they're so, it's so clear. Drugs, yeah. bad, don't do it. Drinking, yeah. bad, don't do it. Don't sex, do it. Bad, bad, don't do it. Like, oh, it's so easy, you know? It's like, yeah. why? Because God done this conversation is over and and to instead like have a more nuanced conversation yeah is really hard and really scary and and the other thing is like one of the things that that those like one of the promise another promise that christian conservative parenting tells you is if you raise your kid this this way and they follow your lead, you can save your child from regret. <sighs> and who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want to save their kid from regret? Mm-hmm. Like, of course you want to do that. But the yeah. like, 
but regret is also like part of being a human yeah exactly and part of learning yeah and like that is yeah and and so i totally understand why people are compelled again to just like stick with the more conservative way because the the promises are so good but like (laughs) those of us who have deconstructed also know that those are lies yeah yeah and I, I think that's, uh, again, a few things that you've just said there really resonate. Um, and this, the certainty thing is really something that I've sat and, and thought about a lot. Um, so surrendering certainty, mean it does mean that, that you're going to face regret um, and that, that your child's going to face regret. But you're right, that's the human experience and it's how we deal with that. Um, and, and, you know, if we – I also wonder if we kind of sell our kids – this legalistic kind of belief system and they experience regret or they experience hurt or they experience something that they had thought of as bad. Um, It kind of sets them up to really question God in a really, really deep and, um, and potentially catastrophic way. If they'd been told that God would be, you know, would make sure nothing bad ever happened to them or if they did this, they'd never face regret. It actually can can rock a child or especially as they approach that adolescent stage in a very, very deep way. So I think you're almost, you're better to actually raise them with the idea that they don't know what life's going to throw at them and and kind of build in the resilience. Um, But as you've been talking, I've just been thinking that perhaps one thing that I hadn't thought about is that um, parenting isn't about me. Um, and you know, like we've in previous generations, it was children should be seen and not heard. And children kind of a reflection of the family children, uh, children were about their parents. Um, and but, especially about their mother. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. and that is a whole lie that the patriarchy is selling. Yeah. Is yeah. like, you know, it's- as mothers were told, like we're told, like, this is the most important job you'll ever have. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's like. It's a hard one to let go of that. <laughs> right. And, and because the, it's not just the church that's selling that. No. You know, no. like, that's not even close. Like, just look at the way that you, people treat male politicians versus female politicians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, it, it is just, it's just a totally different ballgame. And so. Everyone is selling you that. Like, this is the most yeah. important job you'll ever have. And, you know, yeah. like, everything you do is so important and just matters so yeah. much. And Yeah. So it's hard to sit on the couch and have a pajama day in the middle of a pandemic because you're still kind of holding on to, am I, am I failing in this most right. important job that I'll ever have? And it's then okay if you don't do that, you're also failing because, oh, my gosh, you didn't give the kids a break. And how it's like... Yeah. You cannot yes. win that game. Like you have to no. get off the crazy train because yeah. there's no there's no good place. Like that. Yeah. But yeah, especially as mothers, it's like yeah. It's hard. It's it's a it's a really interesting one to think about because um yeah. I mean, parenting is not about us. It's about our children. It's about raising people individuals who are going to be able to find their path in the world who are going to be um, resilient who are going to be able to make their way back from heartbreak who are going to be able to find their own ethical standards and 
and, and find their own way to, to faith and spirituality or their own kind of ethic of their way of being in the world. Yeah. And, and in order to do this, we have to teach them. Mm-hmm. We have to see who they are. Like you said earlier, we have to recognize their own path and we have to kind of work with them instead of trying to make them fit our mold. Yeah. You um, have to yeah. parent the kid you have instead of the one you imagined you would have. <laughs> Which is really hard. Like, that's so hard. It's so hard. Yes. And especially, like, my poor children have an extra layer because now they're pastor's kids. Oh, my sympathies. I'm a pastor's kid. <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know. Like, like the first pastor job I ever had, I think it was the, sec- yeah, it was the second week that I was preaching in this little church. Um, my dear girls got in a fight over the offering plate while i was praying over it oh no that's amazing oh gosh (laughs) and i was like (sighs) (laughs) because like what are you gonna do like you can't yeah anyway the (laughs) the congregation was amazing and the um like sort of patriarch of the church pulled me aside and was like listen we're just glad your kids want to be here like we're not worried about that they'll work it out yeah. <laughs> and like luckily everyone thought it was very funny, but like Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was horrified. I was horrified because <laughs> it is like really hard and scary and like yeah. what are you going to do yeah. and what are you going to say and and then like you know, there is no roadmap for like Yeah. raise Henry to be fully Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Because who the heck is that? Right, cuz we're figuring yeah. it out and he's figuring mm-hmm. it out and we don't know yet. Yeah. And I think that one of the gifts of parenting after deconstruction is is being able to say to your kid, like, this is the decision I'm making with the information Mm -hmm. that I have right now. And if we get different information, we will adjust our path. Because, like, conservative Christian parenting is like, I already have all the information. Mm -hmm. This is God's way. Yeah. Um, My husband and I led a workshop a couple years ago at Wild Goose, at the Wild Goose Festival in um, North Carolina, about parenting and parenting in the middle and especially in the midst of your own deconstruction. Yeah. And this woman just started crying. Yeah. She was like, I have a 13-year-old, and I'm afraid I've messed it all up. Like, yeah. it's too late. Yeah. It's too late. It's too late. I, I you know, raised him wrong. And I mm. remember saying to her, like, the, the best gift you could give to him is to sit him down and say, like, hey, yeah. I want you to know that I love you desperately mm-hmm. and that. When, you know, 10 years ago, I was making the parenting decisions with the best information that I had. Yep. I have better information now about who God is, about how to be a good person, about what I want for your life. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to make different choices because we have better information. Like what a gift. I feel like that really would have lowered my anxiety significantly in my early 20s. (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. If I would have been able to say to myself, I am going to make the best decision I can with the information I have. And if I get better information, then I'll change my mind. And that's allowed. Yeah. And that is a beauty of deconstruction because previously we were like, no, this is set in stone. I cannot deviate from this. Even if it's not good for me, it's not good for my mental or emotional health. It's not working for my children, but it's God's way. I have to stick with this. But this is the path instead of this is my path. Yeah. And I love, thank you for sharing that, that scripture, um, because that, that really does change everything. And, you know, I'm just kind of, (laughs) I'm reflecting on, um, on some of the pandemic moments that we've had. I decided, or we decided that we wouldn't smack our children. Mm -hmm. Um, and here they are, they are, (laughs) they're four and three. Oh my gosh. which is, behavior- if you knew, <laughs> did you know that that is the statistically the time you're lo- most likely to smack your kid is when they're three? <laughs> Don't it ask me why I Google that. Don't ask me why I know that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I have better information now and I make better choices. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, though, because yeah. the, like... It, and it's a more difficult way of parenting because you ha- actually have to stop and you have to think and you have to like, you know, not react at them, but parent them. Like, yeah. So anyway, this, this, the last few weeks of ISO have been very difficult. The kids really missed daycare. They really missed having peers and not being the bottom of the pecking order. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I <laughs> was like, that had a really rough day with them. Like just so, so rough. And um, I realized at one point that I really had to check my emotions because I was uh, I was not handling them well. I was frustrated. I was snappy. So I said to my son, mommy's going to have time out. And, and he's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I was like, no, mommy's, mommy's going to have time out. So I, I went and I sat in my room and I was just sitting on my rocking chair, just breathing and counting to 10 repeatedly. I counted to 10 so many oh my times. Gosh. It was about three minutes. Anyway, then Henry and Allegra come upstairs and they're covered in an unknown substance. And (laughs) I have, like, I'm talking covered, like hands, clothes, and I've got this beautiful new bedspread and it's like, you know, it's just gorgeous. And I was like, don't touch it, don't touch it. I go downstairs and what had happened was Henry had pushed the chair up to the bench and climbed from the chair to the bench to the microwave to the top cupboard where every container of food dye I own <gasps> is kept. No. He'd gotten that and a half a can of cocoa out of the cupboard. <laughs> he poured all of the, the food dye <laughs> into the cocoa and they had mixed it up and it was all over the bench and it was all over the floor and then they had walked it up the carpet stairs, putting their blessed little hands all over the wall. Of course. On the way up and I've just like I've hit the roof <laughs> yeah. and I've like thrown them into the bath and I'm running the bath and I'm trying to get the food dye off the walls before it soaks in um, and like trying to clean everything up and I've gone back up to the to the bathroom to turn off the bath and they put their hands underneath the tap just to rocket the water right up the walls. <laughs> that sounds and so fun. I was just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I was not okay. <laughs> yeah. I've kind of, I've come out into the hallway and I've like, gone into the room. I've closed the door. I've said some curse words out, out of their earshot. And then um, their dad got home and he was on a Zoom call for work. And I've just looked at him and I was like, hang up the phone and he's like oh bad parenting day gotta go (laughs) and um and once I got over the frustration of that and again like we had to decide to punish them the difficult way because you can't just like just smacking them wouldn't really you know that was against our ethos but what happened was later on I sat Henry on the end of my bed and I was like why did you do that and he's like I don't know I don't know and then I was like oh I know why you did that you wanted to be a big person and you say big people get coffee out of the cupboard and you see them mix things together and he's like yes I wanted to be big I wanted to be big and I was like so I mean it was terribly naughty what they did but he was trying to be big he was trying to grow Mm -hmm. up he was trying to be like us and he was just doing a terrible job of it because he's four so I had to react to that out of seeing who he was instead of you know completely and and mind you I I did lose my shit like Mm -hmm. earlier on so I apologized to him and I hugged him I said look I didn't realize that that was what you're trying to do but you can only grow up as fast as you can grow up um you know it takes time and you really need mummy to help you in the kitchen and over the course of the next week um we had to have that lesson a few more times. And why do they always go for the organic expensive produce when they're going to spread things all over the floor? Oh my God. <laughs> but it's a harder parenting path, um, but you have to stay the course and not make it about like, I, it was hard. I had to sit there and actually see him instead of seeing my own blind rage over the food dye all over the walls. Right. Which also <laughs> is valid. Oh like that's yeah. so yeah. valid. I, yeah. we actually like a week ago, I, I repainted the walls in the hallway and just like Mm -hmm. they were so dirty from just like (laughs) the small children. I mean, they don't do it anymore, but you know, the kids used to just like run their hands up and down the hallway and there isn't anything you can do about it. And it is like, you have to keep the, the really big picture. Yeah. Which is really hard because we're people. And also like, I just want a freaking break, you know, like I'm a human. Also valid. Right. Which is also <laughs> totally valid. Like, you know what I didn't want to do with my hours is like wipe the food dye off the hallway. And we could have not had to do that. Like <laughs> that actually was a choice. And so yes, that, it, yeah. And so, and that feeling is also totally valid yeah. along with his, just like, I wanted to be big. And also like, I have my oldest, just like wants to see what will happen she's like insanely curious Mm -hmm. and so she just like wants to see what'll happen if you what like microwave the aluminum foil or whatever (laughs) yeah it's not good it's like oh my gosh you know but just like well i just wanted to know like i just was i didn't i was just curious and so yeah like balancing all of that is so hard but i also think one of the gifts of parenting in the midst of your deconstruction or post deconstruction is that it does give you more permission to be a human being in front of your kid. Yep. Yeah. Like, I like that. I really like that. Mm. Like, you know, I, I don't speaking of kids, you can hear the, I can. (laughs) Um, and I, 
I don't remember my mom being mad like very often. She mm-hmm. was just like incredibly level headed, just amazingly mm-hmm. level headed my whole life. And um, I remember one time, literally one time, we heard my mom and dad in a huge fight. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'll never forget it, my mom took all of the car keys. And then she locked herself in the car, in the garage, but she sat in the passenger side to signal, like, I'm not going anywhere, but I cannot talk to anyone right now. Wow. That is it. That was one time. And me and my sisters were, like, just sobbing in my oldest sister's room, just sure my parents were going to get a divorce. Um, Oh, gosh. Which was not... That was not even, like, close to happening. But, you know, we had just never seen them be mad before. But I think, like, you know, like, watching your mom be like, you know what? I need 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think my oldest, my youngest is, like, not so sure she wants kids. Yeah. But my oldest is, like, so sure she wants kids. And so I always think about, like, what kind of permission can I give her as a mother that I wish I had? Mm. Like I, um, and I learned this from my mom. My mom worked. Um, and she was really good at it. And she like did both the Girl Scout troops and she did all the things (laughs) that she wanted to do. Like this was not her doing all the things because she wanted to be super mom. It was like she did the things she wanted to do. And when people would talk about full-time mom, she would get so frustrated. And she's told me, she said, I don't like that term because I'm always mothering. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's my relationship with you. And so when I say to my kids, like, I'm leaving for three days because I want to write a book. Yeah. And someone has given me the opportunity to write a book. And the best way for me to do that is to leave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those three days when I have left them with their fully capable dad, I that I'm still mothering. That was a choice that I made. I love that. And so hopefully my kids learn like, oh, yeah, moms can do whatever they want. They just got to negotiate it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, my, well, Patrick, um, he really gets shirty with me when I say babysitting. He's like, I'm not babysitting. Mm-mm. I'm parenting. <laughs> Dads do not babysit their parent. That's correct. <laughs> Dads do not help with the chores around the house. They pull their weight. <laughs> right. They participate yeah. in being a member of the household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I had to laugh when people, when, when I was pregnant with our daughter Allegra, um, at at work, he, he said that we'd found out that, that they were having a girl and they're like, Oh, get the shotgun license ready. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, the old joke Mm -hmm. about the dad kind of sweeping in to protect his daughter. And he's like, no, my daughter will be able to shoot her own. (laughs) Well, so my parents had three daughters and my dad had the best line ever. And it, it totally, it was so good. And when people would make those jokes, he, he would say, I fully respect and trust my daughter's opinion. And can I just tell you that really raised the bar on who we were willing to date. 
Because it wasn't yeah. like, oh, yeah, if he's bad, somebody else will pull him off. It was like, no, my dad said that he trusts my opinion of you. And I think yeah. you might be terrible. So, like, no. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And you know what? That's, that's the power of investing trust. Yeah. Um, in our children. And I, I really like that. Um, I really like there's There's so many things that you've said that I really like. I think... Um, the other thing is that our, and you've mentioned this before and I kind of, kind of got swept up in the conversation and didn't kind of reflect on it is that our children can handle conversations that I remember being eight years old and my parents had just taken over a church and, uh, I just remember feeling so worldly and wise and I just felt that I gave great advice Mm -hmm. uh, to the other children who, you know, were under my purview as the pastor's daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I laugh now. It's just ridiculous. But, like, you know, kids pick up on things. Like, I remember acutely some conversations that went on about members of the church at that time and have very clear recollection of my parents' financial situation and... Um, job situation I remember asking my dad my mum how much dad earned I remember her telling me um, you know like kids kids take in a lot Mm -hmm. um, but so there's no there's nothing wrong in actually leveling with them and having conversations like I don't expect my four-year-old to be able to have very adult perspectives um, on the world but I still talk to him um, you know like if if I've had a rough day or if I need him to, you know, be a team with me and behave really well when we're down the street mm-hmm. or whatever it is, like they can handle conversations. And as they get older, they can handle honesty about about better information, like you said, or about difficulties that we've faced in life. And they can even handle us kind of talking about our faith and the things that we, we grapple with in an age-appropriate way. Um, and the things as that we, we do don't know. Deconstruction. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think teaching children how to find answers when they need them is more important than presenting ourselves as the authority in terms of having all the answers in a lot of ways. Right. Helping, yeah, helping them discern trustworthy sources versus not trustworthy sources and helping them listen to their gut instinct when something tells them something's wrong and, yeah, all of that, all of that. Right. <sighs> there is so much, and, and I'm kind of, I'm looking at the clock and, said I'd, I'd said we'd keep this under an hour and we're kind of approaching this um you've written a book tell me a little bit about that yeah um I wrote a book and I actually am in the final editing stage right now just the proof copies and such um it's called mm-hmm. you can talk to god like that the power of lament to say the surprising power of lament to save your faith oh, and it's about how so like Actually, a good third of the Old Testament is like talking to God in ways that I grew. <laughs> I love. This. I grew. I needed to hear this. I grew up just being like, you know, like in ways that the Sunday school teacher definitely would not have approved of, and that that's okay. Oh. And that actually, like, that is a piece of faith that we are deeply missing. Mm-hmm. And that that's one of the reasons that like our faith doesn't hold up. Yeah. Is because yeah. we don't even know that we're allowed to engage with God. I like I wanted I had all these 
other things I wanted to call it. I wanted to call it mm-hmm. WTF God. That was against. <laughs> oh, that was oh, not allowed. Against editorial. So, yeah, that got next. Relatable though. Um, <laughs> my husband wanted to call it God, comma, damn it, period, which I think would have been like so good. They were like, can't call it that. <sighs> oh, no fun. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, damn it isn't as much of a curse word over in Australia, so it totally would have passed yeah. the bar over here. But, but well, oh, it was something about funny. how, like, the punctuation messed up, like, the way that the library codes it. It was no, more about that. That's because then, Yeah, then it was about, like, the inappropriateness of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's coming out in the spring. It's coming out in May of 2021, and I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And you're also on Twitter. Oh, I'm always Instagram. on. Yeah, I'm always on mm. Twitter. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Yeah. And my, oh. I know. And my, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just not brave enough for TikTok. So bravo. Well, um, it's <laughs> I'm more of a consumer of t- TikTok than I am a producer. <laughs> but, um, and then all my handle is always at Abby Norman says. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And I'm at abbynorman.net. Yeah. When I blog, which I haven't done in a while, but I'm looking to pick back up. 2020. It's it's a year. Look, I've really loved our conversation and I hope that you'll come back on the podcast um, again sometime. There's been some just really beautiful things that we've kind of unpacked over the course of this conversation. Being okay with uncertainty, navigating um, your child's, like seeing who your child is and being okay with their individual path and, and working with that. But also, you know, being able to say, I was, I have better information now, let's make better choices. As well as I think the really important thing is that being an empowered mother, being in a, a woman who is empowered to chase down her dreams and, and do the things that she wants to do is also parenting because it's showing our kids, it's showing our girls that they can do it, it's showing our boys that, that women are uh, equal and um, it, that's a that's a really beautiful thing. There's just so much in this conversation. I'll probably listen to it a few times myself. Um, but, yeah, definitely track down Abby Norman on all of the socials and I hope you'll hit me up when that book comes out because, uh, you know, perhaps that's another another chat we can have. Yeah, I want to uh, talk about yeah. how you can cuss at God. The Bible says so. Oh, that is so good. I love so it. So good. Thank you so much, Abby Norman. All right. Thank you.